Thanks for tuning into this podcast from KYMN Radio. You can find more of them like it on our website, kymnradio.net, or wherever you get your podcast. Simply search the KYMN Radio Podcast. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop, and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-334-7372. Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thanks for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories. And today, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a poem. I was reading from the book by Barbara Kingsolver. This is her new collection of poems called How to Fly in 10,000 Easy Lessons. And it's not really 10,000 poems, but there's a lot of great, great poetry in it. And this one caught my eye because it has to do with the topic of our show today. This is called My Great-Grandmother's Plate, and it's again by Barbara Kingsolver from How to Fly. And I'm just going to give you an excerpt from it. This is about in the middle of the poem, and she's talking about washing the white china porcelain platter with lattice edges from her great-grandmother. And so here's the, the spot that I want you to focus on. I use this plate because I want to know how it might make me one with her. My hands slipped into hers like a pair of gloves as I lift and admire its fragile rim, sharing our standing as householders, dutiful washers of porcelain. But instead, a presence from behind from behind me takes my shoulder. And I'm going to leave it right there because she leaves. it's a little bit of a cliffhanger as she starts to recall the stories of her grandmother and how that plate connects the two of them. And it's just, it's really just a beautiful poem. But I, I love the way that objects can carry stories. And so I invite you this week to look for pieces that represent your family story. And maybe those are plates like Barbara Kingsolver's poem, but perhaps it's just a piece of furniture, a photograph. Maybe it's a memory or a family tale that gets retold every holiday. There's something that connects you to the past and carries a part of you into the future. And you might be surprised where that connection takes you like Barbara Kingsolver is surprised because there's a twist to the story in the poem above. The connection takes that writer to a place of comparison and deep understanding about the past and the gifts of the present. It's such a beautiful poem. Again, it's my great-grandmother's plate. The porcelain plate teaches a great-granddaughter about her blessed life through the plate's meaning in history. And there's a story in objects and memories, if you're willing to listen. Hold these family treasures close. 
share the stories, but most importantly, I want to invite you to use the plates and the fancy glasses and the candy dishes and wrap yourself in the hand-knit afghan. Listen to the stories and tell the stories to those around you. But here's something I don't think people think about is that the important part of the process that I want you to recognize is that you can be the start of those stories. I don't think people always remember that, that uh, the objects that you bring into your home may be the ones that carried, get carried down. And for me, that's what buying a new piece of art and what it begins. My treasure begins the things that I call my treasures begin developing a story. And it doesn't have to be a family story, but it can be another important element is about the connections that are transferred from the artist to the piece of work to your world. And it feels like this big community unfolding. And that's what I really like about buying art from artists. And you never know which items will carry those stories forward through life. So I invite you to surround yourself with what evokes that love and becomes a part of the story. And so I hope you find those pieces and to begin those stories and make those connections. And I think I have a pretty good way for you to start that this year with the wonderful Cannon River Clay Tour. So I invite you to join us today on Art Zany Radio. Ceramic artists Glennis Lessing and Colleen Riley from the Cannon River Clay Tour are here. You should certainly check out com. They also have Facebook and Instagram, which is uh, tagged with Cannon River Clay Tour. I forgot that last word. That's a big part, important part about of it. It is held on the weekend of Saturday, the 21st of August, and Sunday, the 22nd of August, from 10 to 5. There are four stops. We'll be going over those as we talk during our conversation. But I'm going to open up the mics and welcome into the studio Colleen and Glennis. Welcome to Arts Any Radio. Good morning. Oh, sorry, Glennis. I didn't have the right mic Good up. Good morning, Paula. And I did, <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> that, that's This is the way it goes, right? <laughs> well, it's a delight to have you both here. I would love it if you could introduce yourselves. You've been on before, and it's lovely. It's kind of like having a, a little reunion here. Uh, but there might be listeners who aren't familiar with your work or, or the clay tour, so I'd love you for you to introduce yourselves. Who wants to go first? Glennis. Uh, I'm Glennis Lessing. Uh, Longtime Northfield person now. I moved here in 2012, but my my family's here from here, and uh, I loved what your poem said because I'm living on my grandparents' farm. So you're talking about objects and washing dishes. I'm wash dishes in the sink that my grandmother washed dishes, and I I think about her often there, and I think about the view because she always thought it was so important to have a window over the sink. So it, the whole farm is an tells its stories to me all the time and inspires me. And is there an object that comes to your mind today after thinking about the... Just the 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 farm, but the kitchen especially because my grandmother, that was how we all remember her. Mm -hmm. She did leave the kitchen, but that (laughs) that was her place where she nurtured everybody and did all her canning and preserving and feeding, you know, lots of people, not just my grandfather and her kids, but all the people who came to help with harvest and things like that. So it was, um, that kitchen is very evocative for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I do believe that. And I, I think it's important to recognize those stories and then tell them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, thank you for being here. And Colleen, let's hear a little bit about your, you and introduce it to those listeners who might not recognize your name. Good morning. I'm Colleen Riley, and I am 
Uh, also a potter in the area. We are technically Farmington, but we call Northfield home because mm-hmm. of all the wonderful artists and just community here. Um, so we're just about eight miles straight north of St. Olaf campus. Um, I am, uh, we're kind of the opposite of Glynis in that we moved down here onto raw land. We built, I guess, 15, 16 years ago now. Is it that long ago? Yeah. And so we are creating our new, um, memories as we go along at our place. But you must have carried things with you from past places or past stories or family or friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our cupboards are full of them. Um, one recent thing that comes to mind is um, I had a spoon, an old serving size spoon that had USN stamped on it. And it's U.S. Navy. Oh. And it's the one artifact that I have from my Uncle Dale, who served in the Navy during World War II. He worked in the shipyards. And unfortunately, he didn't lose his life in the war, but he gave his life because he was one of the um, victims of the, you know, mesothelioma kind of thing back in the day. So we lost him a little early. So that spoon has had special meaning to me, and it disappeared for years and then (laughs) about a month ago my husband was cleaning out behind the stove and there it was (laughs) what a good story so it just brought a rush of wonderful memories my uncle was a very sweet man and I you know we we lost him too young but um it just was would have been wonderful to sit down with him and hear all of his stories about the navy didn't really hear a lot of the stories but I'm sure there were a lot plenty of them. Right. And that's something, yeah, I wish that there were, um, because we have family like that too, that, uh, you know, we know have amazing stories, but they haven't talked about them. So it's important to share those Mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. You know, the piece that I'm going to carry forward, I have many, and I have some from both of you. The one I was thinking about this morning was, I've got a little um, set of creamer and sugar. And it was something I picked out probably on the clay tour from your place. Uh, Colleen, and uh, you had a collection of a variety of of vessels that had words on them, and you got to pick the two Mm. that, that, you know, matched, or however you wanted to do it, it was up to you, and so I have one that says, make and something, Mm. and I just, I love looking at those two words together with, you know, having a little tea, and um, just thinking about that idea, it's kind of like a a motto that I I love to follow every day, try to make something every day, and so. That's a good bit for your kitchen. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah, that was a uh, part of a just a little one-off exhibition that I did um, that I created cups and cream and sugar and pitchers and then people and they all had different words on them from my potter friends who contributed kind of their one words kind of something that evokes what they're doing and so people could mix and match them and create little haiku Right. Yeah, it was a lovely, lovely thing. So that's a story that I'll carry in my kids. That was a great display at the Milwaukee Museum. 
That was fun. Yeah, it, it was. That was a fun idea. So uh, you know, I and I could I could go on. I was think as I was writing this, I was looking around my own space and going, oh, there. You know, I, I have, obviously I like to surround myself with objects because they're everywhere, right? And each of them has a little story that mm-hmm. goes with it that evokes something. So I think that's what people, you know. Uh, when you buy something that's, you know, you buy it from the artist, you know, you get to carry a little of that with you. And that's, I think, what makes do, buying something uh, from the artist just extra special. It's you always know. nice to hear the story behind it. And, you know, both Colleen and I have imagery on our on our surfaces, and I, mine is very narrative. And I was yesterday... It, it's funny because I was pondering just exactly what you were saying. My pots, our pots, they can last... Probably ten thousand years. That's the. That's a very, very durable thing. It's not like paper. <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, for better or worse. And I was putting an image on. I have this weird image in my head. I don't know if it worked or not, but it was a mouse, a hedgehog, and a snail. And I thought, I'll just put these on here, and people can make up their own story about it. Um, mm-hmm. And but I, I, you know, there's almost a disconnect from when I'm carving it to when it's a finished object. It goes through this incredibly hot fire and transforms into this. Rock-like thing, and I sit there by that kiln for twelve hours and and watch it heat up. But there's still this sort of amazed moment where you open the kiln, you're like, "Wow!" Because you know, just days before it was this squishy thing. And um, anyhow, it's it's. I thought about who's going to get this and where will it go. It's going to certainly outlive me. You know, where will it travel as it's handed down, or you know, it could end up in a landfill, or it could end up. In the used-a-bit shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, and actually, the used-a-bit shop is a great place to find some of those, you know, things that you believe have stories, right? Yeah. And that, that um, you know, families just didn't carry them, decided to pass them on, and uh, then you get to make your own. So, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I love that idea, and the, this is the fifth year of the tour. And so congratulations on that. That oh, is kind of spectacular. And I bet this year was um, uh, felt a little different just because there was a gap year, like for many of us. I was wondering what reaching that milestone of being able to do five years means for the tour and you know, how you're feeling about uh, being able to pull it off this year. Well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really excited. We're really excited. Um, Glynis and I both do other in-person shows, and we've had a few this year. And we, I am just so full of gratitude for yeah, uh, the enthusiasm that people have to come and see the work and see us and handle the work and buy the work. And just we're just so happy. It's just been kind of an overwhelming year. And so we're hoping the tour will be well-received like that, too. I mean, it's so still think, kind of a scary time, but we're going to be safe. And is it the people that have missed all of these things that are coming? You feel like there's that they also, in addition to the artists feeling that way, that the, yes. the people, the visitors are... They definitely, everyone says how grateful they are to, to be able to have shows to go to again and see, you know, see the work. And I think people just get kind of really tired of buying stuff online and... Just having that impersonal experience, they want to see the people and they want to touch the things and they want to well, especially experience pottery because it. it's three D, you For know, sure. and you want to lift it up and feel how it feels in your hand. I know both of us strive to make balanced pots, pots that don't, you know, that aren't super heavy and that feel good in your hand. You know, mm-hmm. there's a scale to it that it it's really hard to tell online. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just watching people like if they're looking at a selection of mugs. 
that's a really interesting kind of a study mm, yeah. to watch people looking at the pieces, picking them up. Is Do they like the two-finger handle? Do they like the one finger? Do they need a bigger handle? Yeah. How does it feel? They look at the bottom, and they're imagining themselves drinking their coffee in it as they're handling it. And it's just a really, it's a really good exercise to sell work in person so that you can learn about what you're making too and what appeals to people and what oh, I suppose if you try out a new handle and everyone that picks it up goes puts it down right away <laughs> <laughs> eh, moving on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point right. <laughs> and so th- th- I'm really glad to um, have this happening because I, I enjoy that too just not only the um, you know in- discussion with the artist but again like you said that being able to physically handle it but you know meeting the people that come to the shows too with like-minded yeah. you know interests and um, I- excitement about being together uh, I-, I was curious because I know that the ceramic community is a really close-knit group I and mean, there's a, there's um, a lot of artists in, in this part how, how did the pa- pa- pandemic affect the clay community here um mixed i'd say mm-hmm. um colleen and i have a pretty loyal following and i'd have to say that it was incredibly gratifying to me when it hit i got so many commissions suddenly people were reaching out like how can we support these artists during this pandemic i got more commissions than i've ever had there was a woman who went through the minnesota women's ceramic association website Colleen started that association and looked for an artist to commission plates from and commissioned plates from from me and uh and then I had an extra online sale and a lot of people who are out of you know out of state but follow me on social media I mean thank goodness for social media uh in this day and age because that that really helped me get by then mm. just a wonderful community of support and appreciators and and as far as the community together, then uh, were you you were still able, I suppose, to produce work, and so that, but that had to be a whole another rhythm for you, not being at the shows or being, you know, uh, in I don't know if there were gallery openings or how how things. No. Yeah, I had I had one, one or two shows last year. I had Lanesboro. Um, yeah, I had one that I can think of. Yeah, and that was it's in different. August after people were more understanding, you know, that mask wearing and hand washing were the things to do. And and they just limited the number of people exactly. that would be in the gallery yeah. at a time. And but I did I did have that show anyhow. I did, they didn't cancel it, which was because mm-hmm. it was late enough in the year. Um, it was an actually, it was a shockingly busy year for me last year. Hmm. And in terms of each other, we were very sad not to have the excuse to meet um, (laughs) because we really enjoy that and uh, we a lot of us have our own kilns and then people well Julianne fires at all our kilns and Julianne came out and did at least one firing maybe two last year during the pandemic and she could just drive in and do that and we could see each other outside so the luxury of space on a farm is you know Mm mm-hmm and, and how did it feel for you and Donovan out at uh, your farm? Or it's not a farm. It's a, <laughs> it's we call it a compound. <laughs> <laughs> they have livestock. We have we have <laughs> lots of stuff. <laughs> it's My husband is a country. Kiln, he's a potter and he builds kilns, ceramic kilns. So he did actually have a few kilns that he he does custom work. So he travels all over the country. So he was able to travel to a couple of sites to do his work. 
um, and he had more time in the studio. Mm-hmm. I had a commission that um, was uh, I, I challenged myself in a new oh, way, yeah. so it kind of pushed me through some new ideas, which of course are very time consuming. So it took me a long time to finish it. Um, and then I did have a couple things in the fall, and I didn't do an online sale like Glynis, but people did track me down, and um, it was definitely quieter. It's hard it without nice. deadlines. Oh, deadlines! Deadlines yeah, I need motivate them. us. They we kill ourselves for them, but <laughs> man, without deadlines, I was just like, eh. I know. I realized by May of last year, to like two months <laughs> in, that uh, that I am a creature of deadlines. I I need them. To function. That's an important insight, right, of the process of knowing, uh, because then I know for uh, at least the clay artists I've talked to, you have to sort of back up from when the show is to, you know, when shipping Mm -hmm. and firing and, you know, drying or what, you know, all, there's a whole lot of steps that go into it. And so Mm -hmm. you you can't mess up those productions because you can't make it all up overnight the night before. No, no, not like a jewelry artist or even a painter or something like that. I mean, they need time too, but I, even um, the drying of the work because I have a lot of work in in process right now. And what was it? Two days ago, it started out really humid. Oh, oh yeah. God, yeah. And I thought, if we have a couple days of this, I am these things are not going to be dry yeah, yeah. enough. Mm. And then the sun came out, and it just the humidity dropped maybe ten percent, and boom, everything just started to dry. So yeah. that was a whew, that was a. F- moment that I was relieved about but even those little things you have to kind of you have to go with go with the flow on those the other thing part of our community two of them uh, at least two are teachers and so they had to figure out how to teach clay online now that is a challenge that I at two different levels right trying to if if, if you're showing people how to shape and you want to go and just put your hands and tell them how to do it over the the zoom. (laughs) I can't even, I mean, I've taught clay for years and I've taught throwing and I can't even imagine not doing it in person. I don't know. And actually I don't know what they did. I mean, Kelly Canola is a teacher at Carleton. Chris is a teacher at Chris Holmquist, a teacher at the high school. Um, And then Julianne does some teaching Mm -hmm. and uh, Kip does workshops and teaching. So I, I think a lot of them went to kind of um, a couple of different directions. Some of them went to kind of more conceptual work. Mm. And then some of them also worked with alternative materials. So, you know, like they used cardboard to build, like instead of hand building with clay, they would do cardboard, stuff like that. Oh, I can't even imagine how you transfer that. I taught a couple workshops on Zoom. Yeah, I did one too. It was all people from all over the country. Um, but it was more just demonstrating. Right, people had their right. own studios at home. Yeah, but yeah, it's just and yeah, and then when it was kind of hybrid, and they were kind of trying to do some online and some. Oh, I don't know how they got through the year. <laughs> I just hats off to them. It was a challenge, and all that's part of why having some of these events come back has been so exciting. Oh and, yeah, uh, I'd love to um, talk. There's four stops on the tour. And there's many artists at each of those locations. So I thought we would start by kind of just, you know, looking at at each of the different locations. But as I was looking for through the brochure, which folks, you should be able to find there are certain places they can. uh, I've seen them all around town. Definitely the rare pair and 
Well, just a lot of a lot of downtown businesses should have them in them. And so, if but if you are um, able to, also you can look online at CannonRiverClayTour.com. That uh, map and brochure and the is is there as and well. And you can print out the map. Perfect. So yeah. folks don't ha- you don't have to worry about finding it. I was also wondering if there's going to be signage that um, Extensive around. Signage. <laughs> <laughs> you speak as if someone is you're going to be one of those. We try our best. <laughs> one of those out there early in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> my poor husband. <laughs> yeah, it actually takes us 45 minutes to put all yeah. our signs out. Yeah, they're the most far out. flung, so they've they've covering a lot of territory. Yeah, so look for those. What can they look for on the sign that will um, indicate Clay Tour? It's a little blue, a black and blue lo- uh, logo with a jug on it and a kind of a rambling river graphic. Is that, oh, like this? The Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that image of the jug with the river going through it as if it were the design on the, the jug and also the river that represents the Can River that runs right. through our world. So you've done a great job with branding and building this brochure. And, and, and also one well, of the that, things... That's all Colleen. I know. I was just... It's it's really, really gorgeous. Uh, well, something you want to actually Well, hang. it's about the artwork. And the artwork is gorgeous, so it's hard to... Yeah. It's hard to not feature that. And and so, um, let, as I was reading through the brochure, I noticed there's a lot of different techniques and styles and firing options that are uh, a part of this tour. And so it's like you could get a, a you know, a little education in, in clay as we go through this. So I thought maybe we could do that as we visit Absolutely. each of the stops. Um, should we start out? Where would you like to start? We can just start HP. All right. Just like anybody, you don't have to have um, a, a, you know, a starting point. There's no planned route. You can pick what you want. Self-guided. And it's both Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 5. So you can go twice to one spot or, you know, do two on one day or all of them, however you'd like. <laughs> yeah, and the two farthest, Homequest Pottery and our stop are, what, about 20 minutes apart, I believe. Yeah. So, so it's, it's all close. And, it's every, and two really stops manageable. in between. Yeah. Exactly. Go to two, have lunch in town, go to the other two. Perfect. And there's no need to have a ticket in advance? No, my goodness. Nope. <laughs> it's free. And, and ample parking most places, all the places. Yes. And so that's an important part, too. So if we go out to the Holmquist um, Pottery Studio, of course, we're going to find Chris and Sue Holmquist, right? who are uh, well-known um, for their images and their uh, uh, playfulness, their uh, dogs and cats. <laughs> they talk about stories within the pieces. Um, uh, and I thought that it was interesting, just that word earthenware pottery. Uh, I think I know what it means, but I'm not actually certain I know what it means when you say earthenware. Is that the type of clay? Is it uh, just a, a... Well, I mean, technically it's all earthenware because it's from the earth, but um, earthenware is commonly refers to the low fire, lower temperature fired work. The fi- work can be fired and different clays fire at different temperatures. So if you have high fire, that's... Uh, cone 10, like 2,300 degrees, and low fire is more like 1,800 degrees, or a little bit more. 19, 18, yeah. 19. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, earthenware would melt at in the, I'm, believe me, I've worked at a group studio where every once in a while a terracotta piece would get into the cone 10 firing and would be a puddle at the end of the firing. So oh. <laughs> people don't realize that clay can melt too. Um, it depends on the clay. Yeah, you don't want to have that happen. That's yeah. <laughs> not recoverable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was just a word that I thought, you know, maybe there's a few other people who aren't always sure what each of these terms mean. Yeah, earthenware, too, the types of, like, the 
Mexican pottery, a lot of that. Um, Italian Maiolica pottery. Right, right. Those are earthenware. Greek pottery. It's that kind of terracotta red clay that usually has very brightly colored decoration on it. And so, so that's how you can distinguish. And is that because the, it's, the surface is good for uh, the or the type of paints, or is it just a... Well, you can get away with um, brighter colors at lower temperatures. The colors oh, hold better for the most part. Okay. Temperature yes. affects mm-hmm. the color. I mean... And there's a little bit... It's a little wonky here. I won't get too far into it. But there's an interaction between the glazed surface and the clay that is not as as as... as bonding or as deep as when you get into higher temperatures okay so it sits more it's like a it's more like a paint on top of the clay see this is excellent because I, I you know I, I've visited with clay artists for a long time but some of these basic questions are things that I've never thought to ask so yeah, no heat changes color I the most striking to me is that cobalt is pink when it comes out I mean in, when it's in the sitting in the glaze and then of course it turns into a deep blue pretty quickly but our cobalt glaze at the group studio that I was at uh, was pink mm. mm-hmm. when it starts yeah see and that's the, the, that's the part that kind of always boggles my mind too is we have to think about all those chemical things that are happening and all those temperatures and the way you know it, it really you do have to have a science mind as well <laughs> well that's why when we get together we all exchange recipes but it's for glazes <laughs> yeah and there's another potter at that um, Holmquist studio, which uses Reiku fire. That's Steve Hemingway. And the piece that's depicted here is really um, fascinating. It's, I don't know how we describe it, a round vase with, yeah. with a very t- small, um, I, I think that it's must almost be. almost like a bottle Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with uh, drawings on it that are, but it's just it's very inviting, and very uh, boldly colored. Yep. But it's raku fired, and uh, that is another way of bringing the potty f- pottery forward. What, how would you describe raku? Raku is another low temperature firing process, and what you see on this jar has um it has like a kind of a a forest imagery uh winter forest and so all the trees are black and the black is actually caused by smoke from the fire oh so you actually put it in a kiln this it's really a really fun process very dramatic Um, very dramatic yeah um you put it in the kiln, and then you have a specially developed clay that can withstand the thermal shock so that you actually, when the temperature gets to its peak, you actually get tongs out, you open the kiln, and you pull this glowing orange pot out of the kiln. Oh, my goodness. Then you put it down in sawdust or other combustibles. Leaves. Leaves, sawdust, um, just anything that combusts, just, and it goes whoosh. And it just lights on fire. And then what you do is you smother it, like with a garbage can or something. And you cover it and you leave it. And the smoke from the fire actually turns the clay black. Where it doesn't have glaze. Right. So you do other glazes on top of it. And and you can see very colorful background imagery on there. And that doesn't get affected by the smoke. But the bare clay does. Oh, so that is... I've never heard it described that way. I'm so glad I asked that question. It's very exciting. 
it, to see. It sounds a little like uh, heart, my heart's racing a little yeah. when you say I mean, if you, you open probably, the kiln. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy because you just pull this kiln up as often up or open it up. And it is. They're just literally glowing orange. And so you have these big gloves on yeah. and you have face Goggles, protection yeah. and an apron and you grab these tongs and you just yank it out of there. The whole thing happens within about once it gets to temperature, it's like within 15 minutes. Yeah, it's a very rapid yeah. process. Oh, wow. So you can imagine the clay is formulated to withstand that shock because you can't do that with normal porcelain No, it shrinks and, and expands a lot within the, that process. And the glaze, yeah. all, which is why often if you see a crackly glaze with black lines in between, that is a raku pot because the glaze also has to expand and contract with the pot. And so it, it crackles. Almost ah, always. That explains, yeah. So it's those temperature changes, mm -hmm. those quick temperature really changes. Mm -hmm. And these are not the kind of pots that you're going to eat your dinner off no, of. No, they're these porous. Are, yeah, they're low, a very low temperature, and they're not really, um, what would you call it, stable? So they're decora decorative. More decorative. Yeah. Yes. And, oh, could you put water in it for mm -hmm. a, maybe not? Because they're porous. Vase. I wouldn't let it sit in there. Like for a vase, you mm -hmm. might have a ring on your table afterwards. Yeah. <sighs> So these are good things to know. And those are yeah. things, I think the other thing I've, I've enjoyed about the clay tour is that the artists are there and you can ask those questions. You know, right. I am mm -hmm. looking for a vase to give to my mother and they would direct you away from some of those things and suggest what might be a better uh, vessel for holding water. And he, and Steve might have some that oh, he, do. You would have to check with him for sure. I don't yeah. want to make a blanket statement. No, but that that's interesting. I think that that's um, and maybe sometimes that's what, it can be a little intimidating, right, to not know those differences. But I've you know the artists are always welcome to answer you know and open to answering those questions. They really are. Well, Steve is the nicest person Absolutely. in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't yes. met him before, so that'll yeah, be fun. You yeah. have to definitely introduce yourself. And also Kate Fisher is at the Holmquist studio and Kate Fisher is a, uh, is she still at St. Olaf? Am I, or am I? I think so. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. good. Very good. local. And um, she makes, she has uh, colorful, uh, practical, uh, at least the things that I've seen in the past. She might be doing something completely different now, but mm -hmm. um, she describes it as sturdy, bright, and just right. <laughs> and I think that's a, a suitable description. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you look at the image of Kate's pot, um, I don't know if this one specifically, I don't think that one is porcelain, but she does similar work in porcelain. So if you look at this piece and then you look at Glynis's porcelain work, you would never know it's the same kind of clay body because she fires in an atmospheric kiln. So this, I think, might be a wood or soda fired piece. So. Tell me what an atmospheric Do kiln. I to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Colleen's definitely eminently qualified. Um, well, Atmospheric kilns are things that, well, a gas kiln could technically be considered atmospheric, I suppose. But it, Not de as much. it depends. It, it, atmospheric firings depend on combustibles, again, to create an atmosphere in the kiln that's different than just a regular electric kiln. So you're burning stuff and there's a different exchange of oxygen and thing with the piece. This piece of Kate's has kind of a brownish surface on it, for those of you who don't have the brochure in front of you. Um, and then some colorful spots on there. The brownish surface is actually the clay body itself, the raw clay. And soda fire or salt fire or wood fire kind of have similar looks to them. And what happens is, um, let's say this one is um, fired with soda. You fire it in a gas kiln and then at the end of the firing, you introduce a mixture of 
basically baking soda and soda ash. And so what happens is as it combusts in the kiln, it it has fluxes in it and all kinds of things in it that land on the surface of the pot and flash different colors oh. on there. And so it usually goes like a toasty brown, but it can go anywhere from from glassy ash kind of color to the browns to blacks to yellows to golds oranges you can and you can get it all on the same piece too you can even get kind of a flame pattern sometimes on the pieces so it's kind of a surprise when you're done you're not quite oh yeah it's always christmas yeah (laughs) well when she says flash it's not i mean i don't know if it actually makes a flash but it's called flashing you can you'll pull out a pot and go oh look at the flashing on that so Mm. it's a it's a term that we use Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but that, it's always exciting to see, you know, and where you put it in the kiln is absolutely important. So you use actually the, the kiln itself to kind of decorate your pots. A lot of a lot of people that fire in those kind of kilns have very minimal decoration on their pots, but you can do some be- gorgeous decorated kind of things too. And it can kind of give it a patina that looks almost like an old pot that you just dug out of the earth sometimes. Wow, and I love that because it's, um, and and I love how accepting clay artists are of what might be not you know you lose a little control a lot, <laughs> and this is why we're all so mellow. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at Lars Volz's piece, he also does wood fire, um, and that that piece also has you know m- the mark of whatever the kiln decided to do to it, and. Uh, maybe James's James work too. Does James does chance. Mm. And maybe Kelly's piece here in the Kelly, brochure. Yep, she got those out of the wood kiln. Donovan probably has some that not the not the image that he's got there. Right. So even some. even within the clay artists, they don't have to. Um, they they may have pieces from multiple different types of of pottery and uh, materials and firings, and so you're always experimenting. Yeah, most potters specialize in one kind of firing and have one kiln but when you're married to a kiln builder <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you have lots of options <laughs> so many options it's so yummy out there yeah folks if you're just tuning in this is art zany radio for the imagine imagination and we're talking about the cannon river clay tour which happens next weekend the 21st and 22nd so we wanted to get that to you as soon as we could so that you get that on your calendar and it is both days saturday and sunday and it is from 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. both days. Uh, it happens rain or shine. I, I, but yeah. we're we're hoping for some lovely touring weather. Uh, you could. That's one thing. Another. Right now, it looks like it's going to be gorgeous. Right now, the the weather I, thing which looks, makes me worry. I know. <laughs> Colleen worries, but I'm like, yes, for what? I like, don't oh. check ten days out. It usually means it's going to be the opposite. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> don't say that. Um, and it's we're going to be mostly outside, so we can be nicely spread out. Yeah. But we will be in and out. So if the weather's lousy, there's a way we, to yeah, still. We will be undercover. Yeah, there'll be tents for shade and and uh, and for weather protection if if need be. And and it, like you said, most of it's outdoors, so it's a safer environment yes. for what's you know might be happening in the next week. And we'll yeah. have updates if if you know anyone is concerned. We'll have an update. We're just following CDC Minnesota Department of Health guidelines for all of that. 
Great. And that's CanyonRiverClayTour.com if you want more information. So we've only done one stop. we got to get going. we got to yeah, get on to that next stop. <laughs> so the next one is the um, Canole Studio. Did mm-hmm. I say that correct? Yes. I always worry when I say uh, Kelly's name that I might mess that up. Uh, C-O-N-N-O-L-E, Canole Studio. That's in Northfield. And uh, she is, as you mentioned, a, a professor at, at Carleton. And um, there are four artists again at that studio. And Joel Fra- Fraley is also a local artist. But then there's two artists that I am not familiar with at, at the studio. So tell us what they might find if they stop at that studio. Well, Lars and Joyce um, are actually a couple. Lars Volts. And Joyce St. Clair Volts. I, they're married. And... Um, their work could not be more opposite. Yeah, it's, um, you would not see them, yeah. a, 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 I guess, opposites do attract. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so and for our radio listeners, we've got to give them a... So Lars's work looks like it's just about cut out of the side of a mountain. It's just very chunky, and, and he's really experimenting with the the kind of the raw carving out of, of the, the clay and the surface of the clay, the textures... And then Joyce has got uh, a throne piece out of porcelain or a white clay, and it's uh, very brightly colored, and it's stamped, and that is electric-fired, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. And so, so when you say stamped, what does that mean? She's impressed some, some, and some of it may be sprigged Sprig. also. Mm-hmm. Sprigs are uh, very shallow molds, so you'd press some clay into this very shallow mold, and then you could apply it to your pot. Oh. And uh, if you look at Wedgwood, that's a good example of sprigging, is mm. Wedgwood pots that have that white on top of the blue. The white is all sprigs. I've, I've watched so many videos because I'm interested in sprigging. <laughs> um, I love that term. That's a new term yeah, for me. Yeah. So even in, in our discussion, even what's not on the brochure, I'm so glad you're here to give us this expert guidance. Yeah. And then her, her colors sort of are dripping down the pot on purpose, and they enhance the texture of her stuff. So in a way, and this is probably horribly sexist, I would call her work kind of girly and his very kind of macho, but that's I'm being very stereotypical. It's But it's interesting how much they contrast with each other. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize that they were a couple, so that's kind of a fun thing. Yeah, to it's really fun. Be we able are from to Iowa. Be able to oh, talk okay. to them about that and working together and how they, you know, have influenced or or maybe they've, you know, staked out their own space for mm-hmm. <laughs> making making elements. Well, and and they're all about texture, both of them. I mean, there's some commonalities there too, texture mm-hmm. and surface. So, um, and form too. Yeah, and, and and Joel is doing something interesting, which I saw some of his pieces at the Arts Guild in the gallery. So he's like uh, clay paintings, I think he, he was calling those. How, how would you describe? I, I have a hard time. I went and saw the show. First of all, I'll say that Joel also has nice functional work. Absolutely. And a lot of our people have both a sculptural aspect and uh, functional work available, both at the same time at this show. So Kelly has a picture of a cup, but she does these wonderful rabbits and crows and, and other things as well. So um, I Joel is making these pieces, and then he works on them post-firing as well with all sorts of colors and techniques, mm-hmm. and then seals them in uh, polyurethane. Mm-hmm. Abstract. Yeah. 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 So that was very evocative, like very sort of, you think of landscapes and mm-hmm. there is one with trees on it that with graphite and uh, some gold paint, not gold, but it's, 
it, it did something to make it sparkle. Um, yeah. Just one part of it. Um, so he's really experimenting, and that's kind of fun to see where he's taken, you know, uh, from the functional to this, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't even, it's just really glorious, and you have yeah. to go see, because it's, it's uh, abstract, as you said, but playful, too. Right, and these aren't huge pieces, they're pretty intimate. Uh, Joel said he got a new studio, and he just felt called to do this, so I thought that was super exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very hard to make time to just go herring off in, in a in experimental land when you're a production potter and you're trying to get work done, you know, for these deadlines. Right. So I'm I'm so glad he had the time and space to do that. Yeah, and you'll see some of Kelly's rabbits, I think, made it on the back of the, and I think even on the... There's this little guy there, too. Yeah, and the little photo in the circle of her stop. Yeah, so that's what she's she's <clears throat> most well known for. But she does a whole variety of things, and it, they're just absolutely stunning. Mm. And if it's if her garden looks anything like it normally does, it does. it's, it's so a gorgeous. space that you just want to linger in. Yeah. And she's such a talented uh, garden. She, uh, I don't know how she has the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been impressed. So it's mm-hmm. a space you want to go visit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, next, we're going to uh, take a stop at the Larchill Farm. Which is where you, Glennis, will be hosting. Yes, Larch Hill Farm is the name my grandfather gave to that farm. It's a hill, and there are larches. So that's, he combined the two words. Yeah, 150-year-old <laughs> larches. That we're, um, yes, I have uh, Barbara Zavruha, who is uh, one of the members of our group. And she you can see her often at the Riverwalk Market Fair. And she does just beautiful things with impressed grasses and a lot of earth tones, just a really fine craftsperson. Um, Dolores Fortuna is a fellow Illinois potter. Cause when I say fellow, when I did my work in uh, group studio, it was in, it was in Chicago. Um, and her work is porcelain. It looks completely different from mine and high fire, very, very practical, very lightweight, really finely made with just pattern, decoration on it mm-hmm. um, Monica Redquist is up in Minneapolis she teaches at St. Kate's mm. yes. and she is also in porcelain some of her works white some of it's black see she, now I wouldn't have known that from looking at the pictures right, that's right. fascinating and she throws a lot of pieces very thin and then cuts them up and reassembles them she does a lot of wall installations and so her stuff is very interesting um and she also has functional right, work. Right, absolutely. And in fact, I remember being in the Guthrie Theater and seeing her stuff in the gift shop there. Mm-hmm. And then my work is uh, porcelain, and it I do what's called sgraffito. Uh, and that might be a new term to some people. Right, and actually <laughs> it's super old because it's the Greeks that did, did that's the word, the, the Italian word for it, but the Greeks did sgraffito, all that Greek pottery where they've car- scratched lines into the all their figures you know that's graffito and um anything where you're scratching the surface Mm. so you can even even have graffito on buildings you know where they've cut into the plaster or and uh what i do is uh, i'll either paint on in selectively or cover the entire surface of my pot with a slip which is a liquid clay and then draw an image with just a wooden stick and carve it away and then i'll add some colors uh, with like underglazes, which are not shiny, but they are colored. And I have bright colors, but it's because I've found some things that will go up to that high cone 10 firing. My stuff's high fired and it's very durable. 
And it's all functional and meant to be eaten out of and used because mm. a lot of people are like, we're just going to put it on the mantle. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 please, please use it. I'm so delighted when people, you know, use my casseroles and things like that to bake in. Right. Yeah. And it's, and that's one of the thing, great things about a pottery, right? It can be beautiful and functional. That's <laughs> my whole philosophy right there. Thank you. Uh, fabulous. And then the next stop is the Eureka Pots, which is where you'll be hosting, Colleen. Yes. Tell us about the guests that are there and some of the types of, of clay work that will be presented. Um, there are four of us who are local ceramic artists at our stop. So my husband, Donovan, Julianne Shibata, and James Lachance. Um, Donovan's work is kind of going through a change again. <laughs> But that's what the joy, right? Yeah. You are always getting to experiment. Yeah, you know, and it's, yeah, I really appreciate all these people who are kind of busy with full-time gigs and then they get in the studio and he just has this burst of energy and he's able to just go, go, go. He's been making pots for uh, close to 50 years now. So impossible. He wow. kind of revisits <laughs> old themes or old techniques and they always have a fresh new look. So what I'm seeing him doing now is kind of a rehash of a combination of things that he's done in the past. And he's working with this dark, dark clay body now. So he's adding a white slip over it. So it's it gives a depth to the surface mm, that's I, really lovely. I can see that. Yeah, in so image. he just has this real raw brush technique on there. And then he etches in designs and then he paints colors in there. Um, so he's got some a lot of fun new pieces in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Julianne also is another, wow, we have almost all of us, it seems, do functional and sculptural work. Julianne uh, is a recent award winner, right, McKnight, McKnight Award winner. Congratulations, Julianne. That's a big deal. It is a huge deal. So, Very yeah. competitive and, and a wonderful um, acknowledgement it's of a, the work that she's is, done. It is, and she so deserves it. She does Absolutely. these amazing installation pieces, which are hundreds of pieces sometimes that she installs on a large wall. Porcelain. Um, porcelain, delicate. I just don't know how she keeps track of all of these pieces. Um, so, But then she's got, you probably won't see any of that next weekend, but she also has some wall pieces that are kind of standalone wall pieces that she makes from molds and sprigs and adds things. She usually has some of those available, the smaller pieces. Yeah, so um, with just beautiful, beautiful imagery. Flowers. Yeah, most of it botanical inspired and lots of different techniques that Mm -hmm. she employs on her work. And then she does just really lovely, simple porcelain functional work too. I've got two of her porcelain mugs in our constant rotation <laughs> at home. Yeah, I was able so. to, at, at a, I think it was a book club meeting where there were several of her pieces and each of them was different, but we were all drinking a little bit of wine and it was just such a lovely table setting to, yeah. you know, to see those pieces and mm-hmm. uh, to have play with that. So yeah. And James I'm, is, uh, he's a cabinet maker by trade. Oh, I did not um, realize that. Yeah, he's uh, he does a lot of big shishi projects up in the city, so <laughs> he's very busy with that. I've known him just for his clay, so yeah, a whole and, other element. And he um, has a uh, does mostly wood fired work, so he has some functional work. It's very kind of a, a, a Japanese inspired mm-hmm. wood fired work. So some of it is kind of gnarly and chunky, and some of it's very delicate and. 
um, really thin, fine rims and things like that. So you never, you never know. know. <laughs> exactly. I've been looking for, I haven't seen his work for a year now, so it'll be fun to see. I know he's been holed up in the studio. So we'll see. We'll see. And then we have two guests coming from Battle Lake, Minnesota, up near Fergus Falls, I believe mm. is where they are. Um, Kate Scherfenberg and Sean Scott. And Kate also does earthenware. Are they together? They're yeah. Partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate does really lovely um, gestural kind of earthenware work with just um, mostly botanical imagery as well. Um, I haven't seen her work for a while. I've I've known her for quite a while, and this is their first year here. So um, that, that it must be one of the exciting things when you get to see each other, and that's the best. As you're all experimenting and you're unpacking and setting up, you're thinking, you know, it's like a little Christmas, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they'll be staying with us, but she's allergic to cats, so they'll no. be out in the airstream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, we have a lot of cats. Um, and then Sean is um, makes these incredible, he's known for his teapots that he makes, and they're all hand-built. Wow, that's they a look, real they're challenge. They're just pristine and gorgeous. Wow, um, I would have thought it was thrown. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Um, they're really, really lovely. Um, I don't even know how to describe them. I think they're just... It's elegant and Very elegant. Refined. Refined, exactly. And then he has these kind of crazy surfaces on some of them too so So, full of surprises and i think Uh, this and one thing we should let people know is just because there's a picture ah that's a set i was wondering who had made that one on a platform um that that each of these these artists there all these pieces are one of a kind right oh yes and so um you know you you just because it's pictured it may not be there that day it's a representative of what they will be, you know, uh, have, have out on display. That's and true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything is, since, since Colleen and I both sort of freehand all the decoration on our surfaces, no two are anything remotely alike. But so. that makes what makes them great treasures. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of go out of our way when thinking about who we want to bring into the tour as guests, bringing in a variety of styles. Mm-hmm. I think our tour, what sets us apart is that we do have a lot more kind of sculptural mm. work in the tour. Uh, a lot of the uh, pottery tours are focused on functional, and we have lots of gorgeous functional work. But it's really fun to see, like you were talking about earlier, the um, just the depth, the variety, the types of techniques, the types of clays used. I mean, it's 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 pretty incredible that it's the same stuff coming out of the ground and what we can transform <laughs> it into. Good point. Yeah, exactly. And we should mention, because uh, Glennis just told me this morning that there is a special bike tour happening. So excited about this. Yeah, <laughs> so let's tell people how that works. This is with Farmstead Bike Shop here, is, here uh, in Northfield. Our local, one of our new our new bike shop. Um, we brought some brochures in. Chris brought some brochures in, and they expressed an interest in biking to all four of the stops. That's how manageable our pottery tour is you can bike to all four stops and so we've decided to call it the tour de ceramique (laughs) and uh they're going to start out on sunday if you meet in bridge square at 9 a.m it's about 12 miles an hour ride so it's really not terribly fast it's not a race no at all a a, a bike stroll right and and you you could you know even if you can't 
keep with the group the whole time, you can still make it to all four stops. And they will bike from Bridge Square out to Colleen's, out to Eureka Potts, and then to me, and then over to Chris and back to Kelly, back to town and ending at the shop. And what we've done to augment this is if you buy a piece of pottery. What do you mean, if? When you when buy. you buy a piece of pottery, <laughs> thank you, Colleen. Uh, we will hold it for you, and you can pick it up later with your car or in person, whatever. And if you can't get it that day, we will bring it to the shop, Farmstead Bikes, and you can pick it up from them. What? I, I, great! I didn't even think of that, so I'm glad you did. Because I think Colleen thought of that. That you're you know, not going to want to stack up with a. No, you can't. No, we will get your pots to you somehow. <laughs> yes, yeah, safely. But yeah, feel free to bike and bring your wallet. <laughs> Right, and I assume most take credit cards. Uh, yes, we oh, yeah. all do. Okay. We all take credit cards. <laughs> Perfect. This is such a fun tour, and I'm so excited to share with people that some of these events are coming back and they're happening. And it's just, I've learned a lot today, actually. It's wonderful since I've done several, you know, clay artist uh, talks visited with artists i feel like i have a little bit better understanding we'll just feed it to you in small yes because there's a lot of geeking out that you can do i'm sure it it. goes on Well, we were joking about it because we have a a artist dinner on saturday night for all the potters to get together because we love it but somebody said well the spouses you know and and a couple people said, well, I don't think mine's coming. He said, well, we could have an area of a no pottery talk area <laughs> over in the corner, like, you know, like a smoking area or something like no pottery talk allowed here. You know? Yeah, right. Well, you guys like don't said, get we, together all that much. And we, so. we get together and start talking about reduction and kilns and, yeah, pottery recipes and... It's fabulous. So, folks, you need to check out the Cannon River Clay Tour uh, next weekend. That is um, August 21st and 22nd of 2021. Yes, I got the year right. I realize that doing rebroadcasts that I don't always mention the year because why would I need to? Because Mm. (laughs) now I do if I ever have to rebroadcast. But I hope we never go back to that. So thank you very much, uh, Glennis Lessing and Colleen Riley, for being here today on Arts Any Radio. Well, thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Of course. It's such a pleasure. It is so much fun. And that's why I love doing this show. So just remember, folks, that everything begins a story and together we build these stories. So I hope you will take some time to find those things that evoke that that uh, in you and in your world. So remember, don't forget to add some art zany to your life. And in the meantime, till next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645. Have you heard? Admission to the... Thanks for listening to this KYMN radio podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it interesting, consider leaving us a review and sharing this podcast on social media. 
You can find more podcasts like it on our website, kymnradio.net, or wherever you get your podcasts, simply by searching the KYMN Radio Podcast. And of course, you can listen to us live on 95.1 FM, 1080 AM, and on our website. KYMN is your home for real radio, true variety. 